Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation. This is Joe. And this is Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Delayed. Love it. Lauren's not here today, Uh, but it's because we have a special episode with a special interviewee guest. Uh, We've got Ben from Local Oak Brewing, but more on that later. But uh, we cracked open a beer while we're here. Oh, I forgot to say my usual, uh, this is episode 32. 32 32 32 i did check because i wasn't sure i knew it was in the 30s but yeah they all just run together now i know right it's like once you get past 30 it's it's uh you know it's 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 like they're not even a new episode anymore (laughs) yeah so it's like birthdays too when someone gets to 30 they just stop counting i think Mm -hmm. yeah exactly every year after that it's just 30 again or something or maybe it's 25 when do people normally do that I don't know. I think Elsie claims she's 25. Yeah. She had that birth certificate from, uh, what was that movie where the guy's like, I am 12, but he's like 26. Oh, the bench warmers, yeah. (laughs) To get on the baseball team. There's a $5 bill in there. (laughs) I am 12. (laughs) Yeah, we got another uh, beer that we were graciously gifted from Matt, a listener who used to live in the area, sent us some beers from Florida. This is from Angry Chair Brewing in Tampa. This is called... Space grass. This is an IPA. Uh, right off the bat, looks to be kind of a hazy, maybe New England style IPA. I can't be sure. I haven't smelled it yet, but it's definitely got that nice golden light straw colored, but it's a lot of haze. Yeah, very pineapple juice looking. Mm-hmm, indeed. Yeah, indeed. and Matt did say in his little note in the package, he said, uh, Angry Chair, known for their big, crazy stouts. Uh, but he just said he didn't have any time to get to the brewery. But this is one of their flagship IPAs, and he had that in the fridge, so he figured he'd give us a taste. Nice. Looks good. Yeah. Interesting can art. It's got some kind of skull and uh, like pentagram, but some kind of similar yeah. uh, hex-type looking. Does look pretty demonic. Yeah. I going to say, like we could summon some demons or something off that. Maybe this beer will take us to another world. Another dimension. Ooh, yeah, really nice and juicy off the, off the bat there. For sure, yeah, very aromatic. A little bit of uh, dank hopness. Also getting a little floral note too. I don't know. Yeah, definitely a kind of a, a balanced hop profile. Not purely citrusy, tropical. Not purely bitter, piney, dank. It's just kind of a, a nice mix there. Um, pretty good head retention too. Just kind of helping, I think, uh, it, might, it might be a pretty well-carbonated beer. Let's, uh, let's give it a little taste, see if it's got the mouthfeel to, to match. Pretty smooth. Medium body, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Definitely juicy, yeah. I'm getting some, like, pineapple, some, maybe some, maybe some citrus in there, too. Mm-hmm. Well, not, like, overly uh, tart citrus, but just enough of a acidic bite there to kind of complement that juicy pineapple kind of tropical vibe but yeah still cutting through some of those like floral and dank hop yeah looking at uh just doing a quick search on it it's got uh simcoe azaka and el dorado hops in it Mm. and i think it's probably we're getting some of that floral note some citrusy like it's not skewed one way or another it's not like bursting with tropical flavor but it's also kind of balanced a little earthy Ooh, earthy good word yeah i think i would use yeah balanced overall it's just a good describer for this one mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's very interesting it's like melon it's like kind of every i don't know 
I'm getting a little mix of everything here. Mm-hmm. Piney. Kind of like every sip is yeah. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as Or you find something too. different, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of fridge cold, so might even get better as we let it come fridge up to dry. room temp a little bit. Or I was I was thinking of I wanted to like cool down, but it's not really the right. <laughs> cool it down. <laughs> yeah, I want to warm it up, but I also don't want to like microwave it. <laughs> just <laughs> want it to not be as fridge put, cold. You know, just put it in a double boiler, bring it up. Around. Yeah, and it smells like a pretty fresh hop too. It's kind of like if you've gone to a brewery and done a tour and have been able to get some uh some hops to rub rub together between your hands and get some of those um oils out and it's got that just sort of fresh hop oil smell if you get a really deep inhale on that but it doesn't really come across as like that bitter hoppy oil it's more more for me just like estery tropical flavor and then a bit of an undertone of that kind of like floral earthy dankness yeah i mean it's kind of a just like an all-around good beer. Like, I don't know. I can't. It's not, like, overwhelming or anything. It's got, let's see, it's got a 3.93 on Untapped. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. And that's 10,000 reviews. What's the, uh, I'm going to guess the ABV on this one's about 6.7. That's perfect. Were you just reading the can? No, it's not on the can, I promise. Oh, but that's exactly what it says. Is that exactly On their right? website. <laughs> I, I honestly... Hand to God, that was honest. There's no ABV on this can. I was just curious. Um, wow, cool. Well, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, awesome. and it's interesting because if you know Matt noted that they're uh, known more for their stouts, but if this is any any indication, their IPAs are pretty good. So the yeah. stouts must be really off the charts. I'd yeah. like to take a peek at their uh, their untapped menu and see what their average ratings are because the IPA is close to four. The stouts might be. In the four plus territory, so yeah, this is definitely a great selection. Uh, good IPA. Thanks for sending it, Matt. Uh, really appreciate that one. Yeah, we get down to Tampa apparently because that's a couple of good ones from Tampa we've had. I know, right? Yeah, we'll have to scout out the area. But speaking of uh, trying out some beers, we just uh, well, not just, but at this point, a couple of weeks ago was mm-hmm. the Casita Collab Fest, which was oh, a yeah. great time that was there was so much a, fun a stellar lineup there uh so many different breweries so many ones that aren't at the normal beer fest that we have here hill farmstead what evil twin uh there was even some local ones like forgotten road yeah um, yeah a lot of local but yeah like you said a lot of out of the region and out of state even i mean a lot of good like micro and nano brews too that I think we would have otherwise had trouble accessing or finding just because they're a little bit smaller. I mean, all the way up to like the ranks of Hill Farmstead. I mean, it was really nice. I think we, in the session from four to seven in that three hour time, I think we got about one full lap through, (laughs) which is, I I thought we might be able to make two, but you got to kind of watch yourself because there were some, you know, some blended barrel-aged beers, some, you know, 12, 13, 14 percenters. You had some cultures mixed in there, some really light lagers, which was a nice nice addition to the, the heavier, kind of higher gravity beers. But there was enough going on there that we only were able to make it to every booth, I think, once before the yeah. session ended. So, yeah. very full lineup. It was a huge lineup. And if, 
like a lot of them were offering too like big huge stouts <laughs> yeah. like 14 percent and stuff and i'm like i gotta i gotta wait here for a second and see um yeah i mean i think we got easily 30 plus different beers tasted within that that three hour ga session it was oh yeah good and time just tons of places that we don't ever really get to get to have that often it's pretty wild so. Yeah, I'm going to keep my eyes out for some of them that I found. Oh, Resident Culture was there. That was one of my favorites mm-hmm. from the Charlotte area. But uh, Which, actually, I was just in Charlotte, and I didn't think to make a stop there. That was my fault. But next time I go to Charlotte, Resident Culture, I'm coming for you because they've got some amazing beers, and we were lucky enough to have them in uh, Wilson, only a half-hour-ish drive from us. Yeah, that festival was awesome. Yeah, I got to meet some cool people, got to try some great beer. Uh, and we had some good food. And, and speaking of good food, you want to know how to make your barbecue taste better? Uh, <laughs> what? We're you know we're getting a little crazy here, but we saw you know how to make your light beer taste better with Miller Light beer drops. Well, now your barbecue sucks too, and you can add that Miller Light flavor. <laughs> your barbecue sucks. <laughs> you know, you just get some uh, Miller Light charcoal. Why is my biggest question? Why? Yeah, it's not enough just to drink a Miller Light while you're grilling, you've got to infuse the flavor into your charcoals, get those briquettes nice and hot, and then now you've got a Miller Light T-bone steak. <laughs> or You've heard of beer brats. <laughs> yeah, beer brats. Cook them up with a little bit of Miller Light charcoal. Uh, you know, and I just went on the site to check it out to see, if, is this even a real thing? At first I thought it was a spam post. I saw it on a, a dude on TikTok. Was it Beer Aficionado, I think the guy's name is, from Chicago. But I went on it. It's actually a real thing. And uh, it's sold out already. It just dropped today. Sold out. They're uh, doing it tomorrow again at 3 p.m. I'm curious as to how many bags they have. But it's absolutely insane. I don't... I mean, it's just one of those things you want to buy just because it's like a gag. But what in the world, Miller Lite? What will they come out with next? Well, they stop at nothing. I think they're, at this point, just seeing how far they can push the envelope. Really? I mean, it's great marketing. Get yeah. people talking about it. Get all these articles about them. Yeah. And if they do a kind of a one-off thing where there's like a limited supply, people are going to talk about it even more because it's not like super, you know, it's not like you can go down oh, the yeah. food line and grab a bag of charcoal, <laughs> Miller Lite charcoal. I mean, shoot, it had me thinking about it at a, a recent ECU baseball game I went and I was like... I'll get a Miller Lite. I mean, yeah. it was just fresh on the mind, and you know, I chose that over you know Bud Light or Core. Of course, Core is no offense, but now they're <laughs> they're joined for. I mean, it's Miller Core, so mm-hmm. it's you know, it's kind of they're they're not too mad if I'm picking one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was like, wow, I can't believe I chose Miller. Maybe it's just because of that recency, uh, or that it kind of gets in your mind when they're always in the news, um, advertisement placement, that kind of stuff is it, it works. Wow. I always think like, why do people spend so much money on advertisement? But now I know it works. It just gets in gets in your mind, and then you're just subconsciously buying wow. the product. I didn't realize you were a sheep, <laughs> <laughs> getting tossed around by big beer. Next thing you know, I'm just wearing like cut off shorts and Miller Lite hats and t-shirts. And Nick, when'd you grow a mullet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always been this way. I've had I had it surgically implanted in my head. <laughs> It's like Joe Dirt's mullet. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Dirt. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, just crazy stuff happening in the beer world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, thanks for this beer, Matt. 
And uh, now we've been promising this interview, but uh, we'll get on to it. Again, it's Ben Self, co-owner of Local Oak Brewing Company. If you've been paying attention to our blog and our posts, we're, we're always uh, posting about them because they just make consistent, great product there. And uh, we're really excited about this interview, and we hope you enjoy. All right, so welcome, everybody. We're here at Local Oak Brewing. We've got Ben Self, brewer and owner co-owner 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 yeah hanging out with us and we're excited this is our first interview that we've had you know you've heard listen to us just uh talk a lot about random things but now you actually get to listen to someone who knows what they're talking about so <laughs> okay all right we're really uh you know talking you up here so we <laughs> a lot more than us anyway yeah yeah but thanks for joining us ben we appreciate you taking the time yeah for sure schedules. guys it's... thank you so much for uh, doing yeah. this podcast it's been great oh yeah yeah have you been listening at all absolutely all right yeah. awesome good content yeah it's good to hear yeah. when somebody listens we had our first uh fan mail the other day and oh, we were like yeah. this is awesome so a guy that lives in tampa sent us a bunch of tampa bunch of beers. Huh? Yeah. Jeez. yeah yeah so he said he said he's from near winston-salem i think and so he comes back once a year or so right. i think he went to brugaloo he was in town for that and then on the drive up he's like oh, i listened to about you know 15 20 episodes and yeah. it like took him a lot of time on a drive like that so i was like that's cool yeah he so this guy this like, guy's right in your wheelhouse he's a yeah. craft beer fan yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. i love east north carolina beers like i'm looking for a podcast and we just kind of fit that uh that mold so yeah yeah, yeah. shout out to matt thanks yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks again matt <laughs> yeah but uh so ben so what drove you to start brewing beer and what got you into craft beer uh, I read so way back in a past life, I was actually a ceramic scientist right <laughs> wow. out of college, but um, I really had a passion for craft beer. I knew that there was something interesting, something special about it. So uh, when the opportunity presented itself, i.e. the 2008 financial crash, <laughs> everybody in the company that I was working for, we all lost our jobs. Um, but at the time, you know. I didn't have a wife. I was, you know, free spirit or whatever. So I was like, well, the only thing that I give a crap about is craft beer. That's the only thing I really, you know, am interested in. And uh, craft beer was, you know, booming at that time in Alabama, where there was four breweries at the time. (laughs) So I begged around, uh, took a resume, and, you know, I asked, like, please, somebody just teach me, you know, the basics of brewing, like, so I can get a start in it. Right. And luckily, somebody right there in my hometown, Birmingham, gave me a gave me a shot at it. And it's been, I've been in the industry almost continuously ever since. Yeah. yeah. So your background, chemical engineering then? Chemical engineering. So uh, I was able to take a couple of lab techniques that I had, a couple mm-hmm. bench techniques, mm-hmm. basic stuff like microbiological testing. I was able to turn that into a couple of different jobs as I was able to grow my skills because at that time craft beer was not mature almost nobody had a full-time QC position on staff so I was able to advertise myself as like hey I'll come and set you up a lab Mm -hmm. for 12 months or 18 months just on contract and then I'll we'll go our separate ways and that was a that was a pretty good deal for a lot of people yeah Yeah, that's really cool it's uh funny how like the scientific background you know translates over into oh, yeah. i was gonna ask yeah, yeah if, if any of your brewing techniques uh no run. man it's <laughs> a lot of i've noticed there there are a lot of like engineering or techie type people analytical type people a lot of lawyers yeah. do get into brewing because i think they're attracted to the methodical nature of it mm-hmm. it's it's all about not screwing up is all about doing the same steps mm-hmm. kind of the same way every time. And so I think that appeals to a lot of us engineers or whatever, but actually creating beer that matters, it, it's mostly 
it's massage. It's not an art, but it's kind of massaging the mm-hmm. process yeah. a little bit every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting just a little bit better every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of tweaks and yeah. But yeah, here, people, yeah, you can you can do a deep dive into the chemistry of brewing, and I have, but. <laughs> All those books and everything, I just use them as desk references yeah, now. Yeah. I don't I don't even hardly <laughs> think about mash pH anymore. And there's brewers who obsess over it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's fine guys. It, it's as long as your water's good, you're you're gonna be okay. Yeah. You're gonna right. be okay. Yeah. Like some of those books get so deep into the chemical reactions and like the cleaving of this starch. Oh my lord! This the, it's like the application is not ever there. <laughs> the the like the water the water chemistry desk reference for brewing is so damn dense. Like, I'm like, just uh, don't worry about it, guys. It's like, I'm glad that that knowledge exists, but you probably don't really need it. Yeah, yeah. Theoretical versus yeah. applied. Yeah, very, very much so. Early days of brewing, I mean, it was just water. It was If you had to source, you could make beer, so yeah. not getting into the pH there at all. And the nice thing about being, I guess, smaller scale is you can make those tweaks because you're not producing, you know, your tanks aren't as large as some others, so right. you can... After a batch, you're like, okay, I want to tweak this slightly. You've not gone through the process of, like, you know, a larger barrel system, so. Right. Unfor- so, unfortunately for us, I don't have an, ex- like, a 10-gallon experimental mm-hmm. brew magic system or anything. So, what we do is, the biggest thing is we never, basically never repeat recipes. Mm-hmm. Unless it's survey, so we should keep on through the summer. Mm-hmm. I'm brewing the same styles of beer but a little but I'm tweaking mm-hmm. the recipe a little bit every time. I like to try new ingredients and new especially new yeasts uh, yeah, every yeah. single time. But now I've, I've started now that I've got a little bit of confidence in different styles and I'm mm-hmm. starting to do experiment with different methods. Yeah, okay. Like spunding our beers using natural okay. carbonation. Oh, yeah, we just so, we're talking about that yeah. in a recent episode with some of those uh, carbonation yeah. techniques. So. That is I would have never I would have never naturally carbonated yeah. a lager. Until very recently, yeah, because I was so, I was so sure that all of those stinky, farty H two S sulfur containing <laughs> yeah, yeah, compounds yeah. that that yeast is throwing off, and if you've ever smelled a lager fermentation, it smells like straight collard farts. Yeah. Like I was like, if I don't let these dissipate into the atmosphere, yeah. they're going to stay in the beer. Yeah. No, they lager right out. And the benefit of having that natural carbonation. It's a yeah. real step up for our beers. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool to get into that too. It's it's crazy how the yeast can scavenge all those you know chemicals and things that yeah. really give some of those off flavors. But you just give it enough time, it cleans. Yeah, it right and up I and I love yeast, but I really haven't been giving them enough credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Magical yeah. yeast. Yeah. So, um, well, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you started at least in the area working with Duck Rabbit and then moving into Uptown. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was working, I was uh, doing a short stint with Duck Rabbit to really get their lab set up and going. Uh, And I had been there for about 18 months before a friend of a friend decided that he wanted to start a brewery in Uptown Greenville. Mm -hmm. And that's how Uptown was born. They needed, I did not have any brew house experience Mm -hmm. at that time. But I was the only brewer that they knew, or you know, gotcha. person yeah, in the yeah. brewing industry that they knew. So they were like, "Okay, do you want to uh, do you want to be a brewmaster?" And I was like, "Sure, sure. I'll try anything once." Yeah. yeah. So um, I had to learn really, really quickly how to actually put a recipe together and execute it in the brew house. I was literally taught by over the course of three days by the guy who installed. The ten barrel system oh, at Uptown, yeah, yeah. Crash yeah. Course. It was a crash 
course. Yeah, I've I, never been so nervous in my entire yeah, life. Trial by fire for real. Yeah, man. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember the early days uptown had really good beer, so you were doing something right, and then uh, we were doing. I was doing what every what everybody was doing yeah. at the time, and a lot of people still continue to do. You got five year round beers, all right, maybe one seasonal. Guess what? They're all fermented with California <laughs> ale yeast. Man, why do all of these beers taste identical? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's one thing that's cool. I mean, you talked about using different yeast every time. It is funny that, you know, you have the places that have their house yeast. You know, they just do the same thing, you know, probably California. You know, and it is just yeah. like the same beer every time. But, I mean, now if you're like Treehouse and like people are literally paying you to make these same IPAs over and over yeah, again. Yeah. By God, do not train. Do not <laughs> yeah, change yeah. your house strain. Right. But like we're little guys, like we have people are always asking us, "What do you got that's new?" Mm-hmm. If I don't keep changing up the yeast strains that I'm using, all my beers are going to taste the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So, what was then your inspiration moving from being headmaster at Uptown to saying, "I want to open my own brewery. I want to be my own business owner." Uh, um, it's kind of uh, the the then owners of Uptown and I kind of like had a disagreement about which way to okay. take the business. I wanted to start taking it more experimental because I could see that our, our business had peaked. Okay. So it was like, yes, I'm making consistent beers. They yeah. were, I was always a QC guy. I can tell if a beer is fermented properly, mm. if it's clean or not. And I thought, oh, I always thought when we started up the business, when we started uptown, that that was going to be good enough. No, you have to actually make flavorful, interesting mm-hmm. beers if you want people to keep coming back. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, guys, I'm, you know, mea culpa, we need to make a pivot in the business. Sure. And they did, they had a lot of money invested at that time, and they did not like the sound of a pivot. Yeah. So we like, just kind of folded up, and me and Amy decided to start Local Oak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a hit it's been, right? That's, it just shows how people want new yeah. beer and yeah. new interesting stuff. I mean, it's really different. I mean, I didn't used to get beer that I liked. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go get a six-pack of it. But I feel like I rarely do that anymore just because there's so many options oh, yeah. now. It's just like... No, I'm, like unless I'm at a really good beer store, I'm probably not buying a six-pack because I have no idea how old it is. Exactly. I would much yeah. rather go to the tap room at a place like New Anthem or Hot yeah. Fly, and I want to taste it right there. I want to taste the freshest version of it possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you don't want the one like we had pulled out of the fridge the other day. Oh, Best yeah. Buy 2019. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that went down the drain very yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah, you got a, a PSA to check your uh, stash of beer, especially yeah. in your beer fridges upstairs that don't get visited as often. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if it's an IPA, please check the bottom of the can. Oh, yeah. More yes, yes. <laughs> Drink fresh. <laughs> yeah. Especially, yeah, hot volatility is an issue. Um, yeah. So I guess what were some uh, surprises or things you didn't expect when you opened your own brewery? You know, I'm sure a lot of things were the unknown. So, so many things. <laughs> uh, so the the thing that most people don't want to think about when they open up a brewery is all the business aspects mm-hmm. of it. Um, luckily, I've got my wife who is, you know, far more like A-type than I am and can knock all of that stuff out. And she has, she has a real head for, you know, crossing T's and dotting I's. Um, that was the most challenging part of it is getting all the permits. Oh, Basically right. getting, yeah, getting your ducks in a row with the state to open a business. Just a business period, not even, let alone one that what manufactures alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lord, yeah, this is not exactly the most progressive state as far as manufacturing of alcohol. Um, yep. But we, you know, by God, we finally got it all done. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to open... Some of one of the biggest surprises, pleasant ones, 
It's been how great our employees have been. We have been so oh, yeah. lucky with our bartenders. Mm-hmm. We've had so little turnover, and we just seem to attract the right type of person, somebody who uh, you know, wants to be a bartender, who's highly social, mm-hmm. who wants to engage with a lot of people, and two, are passionate about craft beer. Yeah. They oh, yeah. really care. It's so hard to find a bartender in a tap room nowadays that actually cares and can yeah. speak with enthusiasm and conviction yeah. Yeah. about what they're serving you. Yeah, and that's something I've noticed too. You go somewhere and you ask about the beer and they have no idea and they have no, it's like really ruins your confidence in how the beer is going to be because you're yeah. like, it's like, come on, tell me something at least. Yeah, yeah. like it's, it's not, I'm not just here to consume random glasses of sugar water. I actually want to nerd out with y'all a little oh, bit yeah. about what you want. Yeah. I mean, if, if you don't care about your beer, why should I? I? Should I? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's something I always joke about, you know, when we come and we see maybe like Aaron or Sean, like here, not when they're working. I'm like, you know, that's how you have that's somebody that loves their yeah. job is when they oh, come to yeah. work when they're not working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great. And like Sean, I mean, Sean's a home brewer and has been for years. Yeah. I like, I yak with him all the time about just random crap mm-hmm. about beer. And it's yeah. fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. It's the... Uh, makes work very interesting you know it's yeah it's great you talk about the like, business piece because i feel like a lot of people have this uh, romanticized version of i'm gonna open a brewery oh, and it's, i'm gonna make yeah. beer it's gonna be great but then they forget well i have to create a self-sustaining business yeah. that yeah. has all this stuff so and people are going to have a lot different expectations for my commercially brewed, produced beer mm-hmm. than they did for my five gallon system at home yeah right. yeah, yeah exactly they go to pay for a premium product they want to get <laughs> yeah. a premium product, it's so. and i mean like that's you, it has to taste like a commercial product, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunately for a lot of home home brewers, they don't they don't understand that. Yeah, you know? tastes like homebrew. Yeah, it tastes <laughs> yeah, it tastes like homebrew is one of the worst things you can say about yeah. it. That's what I, that's what I've said about all of mine so yeah. far. Yeah, it tastes like homebrew. Yeah, <laughs> a little, little layer of leniency with homebrew. Like <laughs> yeah. oh, to be expected, there's going to be a little bit of an off flavor here. Yeah, I'm of right. course. And I'm never if somebody people bring me their homebrew all the time, and that's the level that I judge it on. Like, I'll tell them, like, this is really good. Change this, this, and this. But I'm not going to tell them, like, well, first of all, you need a big glycol unit (laughs) to control all your fermentation temps. So get on my level or something like that. No. Like, most beer is still made in buckets in people's homes. Mm -hmm. So let's make that as good as possible. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's a different scale for that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, obviously, there's a lot of pitfalls, a lot of, uh, you know, trials and tribulations getting started. But now that you've come this far, what's been some of the more rewarding parts of being... Uh, a co-owner of your own brewery the me- the best part of my job and what keeps me going like every single day is selling somebody a beer a single beer for five or six dollars which is you know half the price of a craft six pack and them thanking you for it <laughs> and saying that it's good saying that it's worthwhile saying that it was a meaningful experience oh yeah that is the absolute best thing about what we do it's one of the last industries in this country where you can actually make something that you can put it in somebody's hands and they immediately consume it mm-hmm. and are appreciative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's gotta be a great, great feeling, you know, yeah. and they come back for more yeah. and more and more. <laughs> well, even this one here, we're drinking the new, uh, Havana Montana sour. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was talking with uh, Nick and Aaron. Nick said, do you want to give it a taste? And I'm like, I don't ever taste anything. I just get the full pour because I, I know the quality is going to be good every time. And, At least and a I, baseline of yeah, quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah, I just fully, fully commit to every pour I get here. Yeah, I really like that beer. That's one of my favorite sours that we've done recently because I, so we, 
pulled back the souring process for a long time. I've done like a six day souring process. Mm, okay. So like we'll normally after seventy two hours, your souring bacteria or whatever have you're at terminal pH. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got enough acidity. But these guys are wild guys. If you give them a little bit extra time, they'll develop some extra mm-hmm. like fruity notes mm-hmm. and everything. So I've always done that. But I've seen people yeah. pull back a little bit on our sour, so it's like, damn it, I'm making them too sour. Oh, yeah. Like these are these are at their heart, these are fruit cocktails. Yeah. Let yeah, me yeah. let me dial back the pH a little bit. So we went with just a two day souring process. Okay. And then we hit it with, you know, like two hundred something pounds of fruit and we let it referment okay. on that just a little bit so we get that natural That's, carbonation. Yeah. And I love the way like the pineapple and the mango, it tastes more like integrated. Yeah. Into the beer. It's almost like it's not a beer with fruit added to it. It's a beer made with fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I feel like you can definitely taste the difference between that. And yeah. Like it's a beers. little bit of that cloying sweetness from the pineapple is mm-hmm. gone. Um, yeah. And it doesn't but taste it's like more, you dumped a bunch of pineapple syrup in right. it or something. It's you know? almost got, it's got like a, um, like a pineapple Bellini type thing. Yeah. Going yeah. On yeah. It. Actually, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. I feel like we've had a kind of a peach Bellini sour here before it seems like um but yeah there's something that i think we've talked about before is just especially with the sour ale style you can get something that does not seem like an authentic fruit flavor you can tell there's not really integrated the way that you just described the pineapple yeah, thing it's in called beer. it people use extracts yeah and i get it they're a lot cheaper sure they're a hell of a lot yeah. cheaper for sure you don't have to deal with fresh fruit and all that you stuff. don't have to do it. yeah fresh the only reason we can make our beers like this is we don't package them Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that all of my kegs of beer, like as soon as that beer is cold, it's going to be kept cold until a keg is empty. Otherwise, that thing would detonate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. You know, it'd be 450 beer North explosion. all over the yeah, place. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> Just the roof. Oh, man. Um, so thinking about the brewery, you know, and, and how it's been going the past couple of years, I know first you were hit with the pandemic, but thank yeah. God for curbside pickup, right? No, thank God. Yeah. Uh, what are your What are your future plans? Do you have anything that you've been thinking about doing, or are you just we're always weighing options? Uh, what has been great is we did like curbside pickup actually benefited us a great deal during you know during the three months of lockdown because I think we became people's beer budget mm-hmm. there for a couple months, so it kept us making yep. new batches, mm-hmm. continuing to experiment rather than getting stymied and having to shut down for three months and then trying to reboot, which I think for us would have been impossible. After three months of being open, nobody would have known who we were. But uh, we're always looking to do cool new things and weighing our options. Mm -hmm. So we've had a a measure of success so far, and that kind of, like, gives you more options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yes. You kind of touched a little bit earlier about this with uh, how you got started into brewing and who you learned from, but... um, do you use any kind of like supplemental reading material or do you, do you follow certain brewers in the industry right now to like expand your knowledge or is there anything you currently do that helps you to kind of continue growing as a brewer? Yeah, so continuing education is really, really important uh, for craft beer and it might not be the CE that most people are, are familiar <laughs> with. The most important thing, honest to God, is listening to podcasts. Oh, yeah. They are quickly like... Podcasts are, are fairly easy to produce, mm-hmm. and so they tend to be more timely and more topical. Some of like uh, some of my favorites are like, of course, 
Eastern North Carolina uh, <laughs> beer guys. Uh, and then, but um, also, don't drink beers. Oh, yeah. He does Malco Tour. So that's my favorite one. That one's really important because, one, it's really funny, so it keeps you mm-hmm. engaged. But he's talking about, like, the bleeding edge of what people are doing in craft. Right. Oh, and, yeah. like, I'm over here in Eastern North Carolina, and otherwise I might not hear about what Aslan's doing yeah, or something yeah. like that. Um, and I also like the Sour Hour. Uh, okay. Those guys get cool people all the time. Okay. Uh, I actually listened to uh, that one, and Aaron from New Anthem was on there, oh, okay. and he was telling them about how he soured his entire batch in the tank rather than doing like a kettle, like leaving it in the kettle and souring. Mm-hmm. And that's how we developed our process here. Okay. Like it, whenever Aaron from New Anthem chooses to open his mouth about anything, I will find it and I will listen <laughs> to it. Yeah. Yeah. He's been extremely helpful. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm, I was kind of curious, too. It, it seems like, at least in our region, the craft brewing industry has been, like, a really welcoming industry. And, I mean, the, it's not as, I guess, competitive as much as... I mean, there's probably some competition, but there's also a little bit of camaraderie that you know, permeates between brewers and um, that business, I think. Is that, is that oh, fair yeah. to say? I mean, it's fair. So, there's always co-opetition. Yeah. We, we always, we kind of, like, make each other better and everything. But honest to God, it's not real cutthroat because we're so underserved here. Mm, right. There's like there's so many more people than there are craft breweries. We could definitely support more. Oh, as right. long if somebody comes in and wants to do like something crazy, like screw it, we're only doing spontaneous sales or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they're good, my God, they might actually be successful. Yeah. Because people are thirsty for something new here. Yeah, we're definitely not saturated at all. Yeah. And I mean, even the. Explosion! I moved here five years ago, and there yeah, was, that was just crazy. like right yeah. after Uptown had started, and then Bitch Street, and then here, and then Naughty Dog, you know, and then Duck Rabbit's so close, so we've got some stuff, but yeah. nowhere near to some areas yeah. <laughs> like that. I just started loading with crap. So, yeah. Uh, one question I got asked: So, if you had somebody starting out in the homebrew game, you know, what, what advice would you give them as someone who's brewed a lot of beer and brewed a lot of good beer? And they just want to continue to be like a good home brewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, um, drink a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> drink, drink, figure figure out, Check. yeah, figure out why you like the beer that you like. Mm-hmm. Really try and put it into words. Figure it out, and then figure out how they made that beer. Do they ferment at specifically lower temperatures? Do they slam that beer full of oxygen to help their fermentation? Whatever it is. Like, basically, just keep doing what you know works mm-hmm. and learn from the people who you know make good beer. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's the I, I do fly fishing. And so one thing that is very similar between fly fishing and, uh, and home brewing, there's no limit to the amount of gear that you can acquire <laughs> yeah. in pursuit of getting just slightly better, better. Just yeah. a little bit better. You'll spend 200, 300, 400 dollars just to be a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. So that's what like that's what I always loved about home brewing is that endless chase to refine mm-hmm. what you're already doing just a little bit more. Yeah. It's wild to see like all the things that are out there, you know, like yeah. mini jacketed fermenters and yeah. all this stuff. The stuff just, like, SS Brewtech yeah. is doing? Oh, it's ridiculous. Lord. Yeah, it's like a mini commercial system. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> like, you watch YouTube videos and these guys are like, here's my home brewery in the garage and it looks like... like <laughs> it's a, it's like a small brewery. Yeah, like, it's yeah. they, they're basically... I've seen guys with 
their garage brewery has two three barrel fermenters. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're running a nano. <laughs> yeah, like, this is what that is. Dude, the permit like, for yeah. drinking it. That's the one thing I have the biggest problem I have yeah. whenever I do homebrew is I never finish it because I'm yeah. like just drinking five gallons yeah, of I'll one d- beer. Like, <laughs> I'll drink, yeah, I'll drink like maybe a gallon of each beer over like a course of a week and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, time yeah. for the next thing. Mm, yeah, I just exactly. want to brew again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more the experience and seeing what you can create. So it's pretty cool. But yeah. Yeah, so uh, this might be a difficult question. It is, it is for me, but so do you have a particular style that's like your favorite? Maybe not necessarily to brew, but just to consume. I know here yes. you've got IPAs, sour ales. You keep the cerveza year-round in the summer, and then you're usually one to two stout supporters. My favorite to brew and to consume are Czech Pilsners. Czech Pilsners. Oh, okay. Czech and just Czech lagers in general. I absolutely – I love the tradition. I love their – hop forward bite i love that little bit of body mm-hmm. that they still have it like this check this traditional check lager yeast mm-hmm. do have like a tiny whiff of diacetyl to mm-hmm. them and i absolutely love it especially when you get it coming out of one of those like side pour taps and you get that nice pile of wet foam yeah. on top of that golden lager there's nothing <laughs> no amount of unfermented maltose barrel aged stout monsters yeah. will ever compete yeah. With a Czech Pilsner, yeah. period, the end. <laughs> so it's like we chase perfection with our lawns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's something to say about that because aren't the Czechs the highest consuming beer per uh, yeah. in yeah. the world? Like, it better be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But, yeah. I think it's refreshing because you'd assume in this day and age, it's like, you know, the IPA, especially now the New England IPA is kind of becoming a rising star amongst craft brewers and consumers alike. So it's nice to hear that, you know, Czech Pilsners can still be appreciated and deserve to be oh like, yeah and i mean like uh, the haze craze might never be topped in craft mm. but there's been a huge wave back towards traditional oh. golden lagers and even kolsch's from people our age yeah. people who've been drinking craft beer for like mm-hmm. more than 10 years and they got into it via sours or mm-hmm. ipas and now their palates are just wrecked yeah my pa- i don't know about y'all but like my palate got wrecked by the IBU wars oh gosh, of yeah. the like the early two thousands, <laughs> yeah. and since then I've just been working my way back to fizzy golden yep. beers. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorites. Yeah, I love a good Kolsch and uh, your Meritzen. That Meritzen's one of my favorite styles too. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of is again a traditional style that they're wonderful. I think it's great. It's it kind of tones back on the the hop wave, like you mentioned. And it just goes and goes back to traditional brewing techniques and uh, just like it's a clean beer, but it has a lot of body to a lot of character still in that malt bill and it's, it's just so beer nice. it is beer especially especially the light the lighter lagers and everything it's beer distilled down to its simplest state mm-hmm. and drinking it is just the joy of drinking mm-hmm. that's it there's no extra bull crap you can't hide any flaws yeah. with it it's simplicity mm-hmm. yeah. that's the thing it's like making a beer full flavored but not overloading, you know. It's, it's exactly. Not, it's not like I'm just oh, I'm just getting wrecked by this particular thing. It's like you appreciate the balance and the comprehensiveness yep. of just the beer. Yeah, and, and I love I love barrel aged stouts, but I'll drink like five six ounces of one. I'll be like, man, this was truly made by a stout master. I would like a cold space. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt yesterday we went to the Casita Collab Fest, and they had a ton of like, dude, they 13, were pouring beer barrel time thing. over yeah. there. Yeah. God. 
I was. <laughs> I wish I could have gone, but I had to work uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to watch it because for a three-hour GA session, you can't be drinking fourteen and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. You're like timing them. You're like, well, I want to be able to taste this yeah. next beer, so let me uh, have this after. And well, <laughs> something kind of like dry, like a Kolsch, was a nice like palate cleanser. In between those, it's like, and then you get to you know, it's reset the palate a little bit with those just nice. Um, Dude, the lineup they had yesterday was wild. Oh, it was. It's just wild. It was great. That was a really cool beer festival. Dude, they got Hill Farmstead to descend down from Mount Olympus to come beer. Yeah, they had a a tap takeover today, I think. uh, Yeah, they're doing a tap takeover there now, too. If only we could have made it back two days. Kill me. I know. Kill me. (laughs) Uh, But, all right, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to to talk with us. and. sure everybody will love listening and get your thoughts on, on beer. Yeah, so. thank you all for consistently putting out a great podcast. Oh, it was great you. talking with well, you. Appreciate it. Putting out great beer every time. Yeah, so. yeah, Heck exactly. yeah, dude. Consistently putting out good beer. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, and hope you enjoyed that interview. Thanks for checking us out. Again, this is Secondary Fermentation presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. Uh, check us out on social media at uh, Instagram at East Carolina Beer. Uh, check out our website, eastcarolinabeer.com. Uh, Gmail, we're eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com. If you want to check us out on Facebook, East Carolina Beer and Brewing. Uh, and we're on Twitter, but we're not too active on there, at East Beer, if you want to say hello there. But uh, on behalf of myself and the unpresent LC and Sir Nicholas over there, <laughs> uh, we appreciate you listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.